We are closing out our series today called Summer Losing. As we begin our look at Scripture this morning, I want to speak to not only Christians in this room, but also non-Christians who may be in this room or who may be joining us on our live stream this morning because we all have something in common. Every single one of us, whether you are a believer in Christ or whether you are just trying to figure your way out in this life or maybe you're a believer in Christ who's trying to figure your way out in this life, we all have something in common and that is we are pursuing something better or greater than whatever current circumstance we find ourselves in. Whether it's a, a bad circumstance you're trying to improve, or maybe you're in a, a pretty good place in life, but still there's more that you want to achieve. All of us through our life, we are seeking to improve our current circumstance. Maybe, maybe you are in search of building that, improving on your circumstance through building a family. Or seeking a marriage or a relationship that is worthy of marriage. Maybe you are seeking to better your uh, circumstance through financial stability or just getting to a point where you can have some financial freedom in your life. Maybe you are seeking to improve your circumstance by career advancement or educational advancement, trying to, to hit these goals that you have in your life. It could be any number of goals that you may have, but we all have that in common. We are all, for the most part, I would assume, trying to improve on our current circumstance. All of them ultimately come down to one thing that we're chasing. We're all wanting to find joy and purpose. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you're a Christian or not, we are seeking things in our life that will bring us joy and things in our life that give us meaning. We're seeking purpose in our life. Life's biggest questions often can be summed up. How do we achieve ultimate joy? How do we achieve ultimate purpose? What do we need to do in order to get there? My family and I, we went to Disney World back in uh, February. That's not an ultimate goal, by the way. I would recommend you don't now because it's packed and expensive. But anyways, we went there and we've been to Disney several times, as many of you probably have. And Disney used to have this thing called a Fast Pass. Does everybody know what a Fast Pass is? It's basically your opportunity to skip the line to get on a ride. And they were free. They are not anymore. Now you have to, to sign up for this service called Genie Plus. And this Genie Plus service, it's not just signing up for a Fast Pass to jump, jump the line. It's, it shows you ride times, how long you got to wait. It gives you ways that you can plan out your whole day order food, make your dinner reservations. It's, it's all these things that you can do in this app. And because of that, you end up doing this as you're walking through the park a lot and not seeing what's going on at Disney World, which you paid a whole lot of money to go and visit. But what I noticed, we're at the Magic Kingdom one day, and as I'm doing this, trying to, you know, got to get on these next rides, I get that time. Oh, I missed that time. It's what you're doing all day long. And then around 11 or 12 in the morning, my phone is almost dead. Already. Just a few hours into this day. And you know what I didn't have with me? A charger. And you know what? Disney World doesn't sell 
They don't sell just the power adapter cables. You, you can't just go buy a lightning cable to plug in and find an outlet somewhere. You have to go buy these, these battery packs that you charge from. And while those cost you know, $10 or $15 at Walmart, they are $30 or $40 at Disney World for the exact same ones. Actually, probably don't work as well. But if you don't do it, then what you're trying to accomplish through the day your phone's dead and you can't get any more fast passes, you can't see ride times, you can't do any of that stuff. This pretty much becomes a really expensive brick. If the phone doesn't have power, if it doesn't have some sort of energy source, it is worthless. It's lost its effectiveness. It has no purpose other than to look good. It is a nice looking phone too, right? iPhone 13, just got it. Man, those are expensive too, just throwing that out there. Um, our bottom line for today as we look at Scripture is whatever you're pursuing in life has to have some sort of energy source behind it. And if you are a Christian, your life requires access to His power if you are going to accomplish His purpose. It's... If you're a believer, it's not about you anymore. It's all about His calling on your life. And when we don't access the power that Jesus has for us in our life, then we will not accomplish His purpose in our life. And really, even outside of Christianity, this is true of any pursuit in life. If you don't have a regular source of energy, a regular source that, that keeps building you back up and filling you back up as you are pursuing whatever you're looking to, then you lose your effectiveness. Self-reliance is where many of us try to find ourselves. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're going to do this ourselves. And we rely on ourselves to be able to achieve the things that we want to achieve in life. But self-reliance is a very shallow power source. We have a very limited well of power that we can provide for ourselves in our own direction. And then we try to lean on other people, but codependence is also a shallow power source because those people have their own issues and their own things they're trying to do and they only have so much that they can give. And we keep trying and trying and trying and trying, but we never have enough energy to accomplish the purpose we're setting out for. This is the final week of our series, Summer Losing. We've been looking at what do we need to lose in order to win in our faith? What are things that, that are distracting us from our faith? And as we look at that this morning, the thing that we have to lose as we dig into this is our self-reliance. Our purpose in life is to be a disciple. That is, whether you're a Christian or not, that is what you were called to by God. You may not know it yet if you're not a Christian. But that is the purpose for every human being, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we define disciple as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, committed your life to Jesus Christ, someone who is a follower, who is continually being changed by Christ, and who is on mission for Christ. It is a lifelong pursued. It's not a goal that you achieve. It is what you are striving to accomplish for the rest of your life. And it takes energy and power to be able to accomplish that calling on our life. So how do we access the power it takes? 
to accomplish the purpose He has called us to. We have to lose our self-reliance. We have to lose our reliance on other people only. And we have to look to the Lord for our power. We're going to be in John chapter 15 today. You can open your Bibles there. Scripture will also be on the screen this morning. And as we begin, I'm going to begin in chapter 15, verse 11. And here is what John writes. The words of Jesus. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy, purpose, that is our ultimate pursuit in life. We find joy in our purpose. We find ultimate joy when we are all about the mission. And if you are not a believer and you are pursuing joy, you look to joy in achieving certain things in your life. But once you achieve those things, the joy is short-lived and you have to achieve more. But as a believer... We look to Jesus for our ultimate joy, and Jesus says that our joy will be full. What are the things that Jesus is referring to when He says that He has spoken these things to us that your joy may be full? Well, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Verse 1. Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's an old Sunday school or VBS song called Peach of a Savior. Who all's heard this song before? I'm going to ask everyone to rise for a moment. We're going to have some VBS is like two weeks away. We're getting a head start today. So go ahead and limber up, get ready, because we got motions that go with this song. Put your coffee down, put your coffee down. Can you throw those lyrics up back there for me? There. Oh, wow, I can't read that. That's a li- Yeah, I can, I got it, I got it. All right, here we go. He's a peach of a savior, he's the apple of my eye. He prunes back the branches when the branches get too high. He bears fruit in season and His love will never die. And that's why I'm bananas for the Lord. Glory, glory, we're the branches. Glory, glory, we're the Branches participate. <laughs> glory, glory, we're the branches. And that's why I'm bananas for the Lord. Good job. You can have a seat now. 
you're a guest here this morning, you're thinking, wow, these people are nuts. And you are correct. We are the branches. That's what the song is all about. There's lots of actual, there's, lot, there's actually lots of truth in this silly song. We are the branches. The scripture says we are the branches. Jesus is the vine and the Father is the vine dresser. The vine is the source of life. The vine is the source of all power, the ability to be on mission, the ability to produce fruit, to have purpose. As Jesus speaks this to his disciples, this is right after the, the Last Supper. And as he's speaking this to his disciples, the imagery of a vine was very common for them. Israel was looked at as the vine, where purpose was found for God. But Jesus is saying, it is not people, it is not Israel, it is me. I am the only source of power and life. Our bottom line is, your life requires His power to achieve His purpose. And His purpose for us is to be fruitful. So how do we access the power? Jesus says we have access to the power by abiding in Him. Now, if you have a church background and you have sang Peach of a Savior at some point in your life, you are familiar with this passage. I am very familiar with this passage. I've heard this passage taught and preached numerous times over the course of my life. And I always struggle with the idea of what does abide really mean? So as I was studying it this week, I went and looked at what's the actual word that was used as Jesus spoke. And the word that's used in Scripture is this word meno or meno, whichever way you would like to pronounce it. And that word, what it means is to stay or to endure to dwell, or to remain. So Jesus is saying, stay in me, endure with me, dwell with me. How do we do that? How how do you really go about accessing this power and abiding in the Lord? How do we access this 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Well, you can see with the the imagery that Jesus is painting here that first it requires a connection to Jesus. The, The branch has to be in the vine. It has to be connected to the life giving source, the source of all power. And notice what he says it is a mutual connection. He's not just saying, You have to dwell in me. He's saying, Abide in me. And I'll abide in you. It is, it is a life-giving connection. He is mutually abiding in us. What exactly does that look like? How exactly do we make that connection? Well, it begins by taking that step of committing your life to a life of discipleship for the Lord. By acknowledging that He is the Savior, that He did die on the cross for us. And that nothing that we can do if we accept Jesus can separate us from His love. That we are connected to Jesus. We are connected to the only source that gives life. 
It requires connection and it requires dependence on Jesus. Imagine a branch. I wish I had one up here. I should have brought one. We're going to pretend like this is a branch. But this branch, if it's not connected to anything, what's the point? I mean, what's going to happen to the branch? It's going to die. It's just going to shrivel up. It's not going to have any purpose. I mean, you could look at a branch like this and, I don't know, you could really try really hard to produce fruit in it. Like, nothing, right? No matter how hard you try, if it doesn't have some source, it feels weird holding this up, calling it a branch. No matter how hard you try, if it doesn't have some source of life, there is no way it's going to produce fruit. It is a worthless branch. The branch depends on the vine in order to accomplish anything. Jesus says you can do nothing apart from Him. And we hear that and we're like, well, I know people that do stuff, even good stuff, that aren't Christians. But what he's saying is you can accomplish no spiritual fruit, nothing for him apart from him. Completely dependent on him. He says it in verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot be fruit, bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You have to have a connection to the vine in order to have life. You have to have this connection, rely on that connection in order to achieve the purpose that God has laid out for you. And you have to have a continued pursuit of Jesus. Because He doesn't just say, Say a prayer, walk an aisle, and then we're good. He says, abide in me. Stay continually attached to Jesus is what He is calling us to right here in this passage. Abide, to stay in Him, to dwell in Him. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How do we abide? He says it right there. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. How do we abide? We pour into Jesus. Jesus is the life-giving source and this is his love letter that's written to you that tells us everything we need to know to understand what life is all about, what Jesus is all about, how we connect to Him, to abide in Him, we have to stay in the Word. We have to let it saturate us. I hear so often, especially when I was doing youth ministry, I heard this a lot. Some of you may feel this way. I don't read the Bible because I'm not a reader. I don't dig into Scripture because 
my mind wanders. I, I just can't track with it very often. But, you know, we say we're not readers, but statistically, I would almost guarantee all of you fit into this. You read 265 emails and social media posts every single day. Statistically, that's what an American does every single day. So we're not readers, but we are fine with reading this stuff that is often more boring or an advertisement or we think it's funny. And we say, well, that's different than digging into Scripture. Really? Is a social media post really any longer than reading a couple of Bible verses to let that pour into you? We have the ability to do this. There's, he leaves no room for excuses. And I'll tell you what, if you're not a reader, I have on my phone a Bible app that reads it to me. While I'm driving, I can listen to Scripture. And, and listen... I understand sometimes our minds drift. It's hard sometimes to focus. I've been reading through numbers. And man, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of numbers in numbers. And my mind drifts sometimes. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is using that time in Scripture, planting it in my heart, that He will use that to help me accomplish the purpose He has for me in my life. How do we make disciples when we don't even understand or know the Word? We don't. We have to let it saturate us. It all comes down to knowing who He is and what He's called us to. And you cannot know that by a Sunday morning sermon. We only know it when we dig into Scripture ourselves. I talk a lot about spiritual disciplines and I firmly believe the most important spiritual discipline right next to prayer is Scripture. Prayer apart from Scripture doesn't accomplish a whole lot. But prayer attached to Scripture as we read through Scripture and pray the words, the prayers and the, the promises back to God, that accomplishes much in your soul. And he gives a warning here. In verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. What's he talking about there? You know, I, I've heard it said before that this is a, a passage that says, well, if you walk away from Jesus, then that means you, you're not saved and he's letting you go. And, and I can understand that that reading of it, but... If you look at the full context of what's happening here, this is immediately after the, the Last Supper. Right before he's getting ready to, to be arrested and go to the cross. Who's left out? Judas. It, it's, it's the nominal follower. The one who was never really bought in to begin with. The one that we see filling up so many churches on Sunday mornings. The, the one who thinks showing up is enough. But when the going gets tough and I can get something out of it, I have no trouble walking away from Jesus. That's Judas. That is the nominal Christian. The one who is not fully committed to him to, be, to begin with. Many of us in the church are in danger of finding ourselves in that situation because you have bought the lie that saying a prayer is enough. It's not. 
He is not calling us to say a prayer and ask Him to save us. He's calling us to commit our lives to following Him and making disciples. That is the calling on your life. That is your purpose. What does a fruitful life look like? Verse 10, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. What does it look like to have a life that bears fruit? Really, we can simplify it down to what he just said. It really goes back to the great command. When Jesus summed up the law, in, he said, love God and love people. He says in this passage to love God. To love God is to produce spiritual fruit. What is spiritual fruit? Paul talks about spiritual fruit in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The, The fruit of the Spirit is all of those things. It's not, well, I'm a a loving person, but I have no self-control. It is all of those things playing out in your life. Are you displaying the fruit of the Spirit? Do you produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do you produce the Spirit of love? Or are you known more for the Spirit of fear and hate? Do you produce... The, the fruit of joy in your life? Or do you more often produce despair in your life? Are you a person who produces peace in your life? And by peace, it is knowing that God is in control. Do you have that peace or are you full of anxiety? Are you a, a person of patience? Or when things don't go your way, a person of resentment? Are you a a person who's producing kindness in your life? Or is it more likely that you're producing envy in your life? Do, Do people look at you and say they have the fruit of goodness in their life? Or are they more likely to say they have phoniness in their life? Do you produce the fruit of faithfulness in your life that no matter what happens you trust that God has it under control or what happens in a relationship you just stay 
faithful or are you fair weather? Just run away at any sign of trouble. Do you produce the fruit of gentleness or are you a self-absorbed person? Do you produce the fruit of self-control or are you uncontrollable? To love God is to pour into those, to let the fruit of the Spirit be what you are known for. Are you known by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Now, some of us have alarm barrels going off because we're like, well, I can be a jerk sometimes. It's not saying that you live these out perfectly from the moment you're saved to the moment you die. It's saying this is fruit that is bearing in your life and you are growing in those and you can see over time this fruit begin to blossom more and more in your life. Is that you? Are you really growing spiritual fruit? Because that is an indicator of whether you love God. Jesus says love people to be willing to lay down our own life, to sacrificially love people when others' needs are more important than yours. When you're willing to say, I don't need to buy this because my neighbor needs some help paying their rent. Or so-and-so needs some help with food, so maybe I don't get to eat out tonight because I need to help them get something to put on their plate. It can look all kinds of different ways. But to love people is to be sacrificial. And ultimately, that is the spiritual fruit that plays out in us, and it also must, it must produce physical fruit as well. Make disciples. If you are not hitting all three elements, love God, love people, make disciples, you are not fulfilling the mission He has put you on for your life. You're a believer in Christ and you cannot point to a time where you have sat down with someone and tried to help them grow in their faith. You are not fulfilling the mission you have in your life. He didn't call pastors and elders and teachers to step up here and to make disciples. He called all of us to make disciples. Whether you became a Christian yesterday or 20 years ago, you were called to make disciples. It is the great commission. It's not an ask. It's not a question. Jesus said, go make disciples. Your life, in order to accomplish that purpose, it requires His power to achieve His purpose. And your purpose is summed up simply as this. Love God, love people, make disciples. 1 John chapter 2. He said this, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Are we abiding in the Lord? Because to walk the same way that Jesus walked is to love God. That is how Jesus lived his life. To love people. He spent his whole time loving other people, sacrificing for them and making 
disciples. That is how he spent his ministry on this earth. The short life that he had was spent loving God, loving people, making disciples, and he calls us to do the same thing. Are you living a life on mission? Are you tapping into the power of Christ to live out the purpose he has for you? Maybe you've never accessed that power. Maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you just prayed a prayer and thought you were good, but you've never abided in Christ. You've never become a disciple. Scripture teaches us that we are all sinners. That we are all filthy. There is nothing that we can do to restore a relationship with God. We are sinners and sin is payable by death, eternally separated from God. But Jesus provided a way for us to have access, to have that power in our life to live out a life of purpose in God. Jesus Christ walked this earth as God in the flesh, <coughs> sacrificing His own life so that we can have access to the power and defeating death, rising again, so that we can know Jesus, know God, have access to <coughs> His love and His mercy and His grace. Have you ever done that? You would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Just a few moments. Some of you need boldness. God is revealing, the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you have not made that commitment. Would you be bold right now and say, just raise your hand. Right now, I need to commit my life to Jesus. Would you slip your hand up? If you're someone who has never committed your life to Jesus, and you are realizing right now that you are living in opposition to God, and you want to change that, to be forgiven, and to have a relationship with Jesus... Would you be bold enough to raise your hand right now? I want a life with Jesus. Now, if that's you and you have questions and you want to know what that next step is, I'm asking you in boldness, no one looking around, would you stand right now? Would you be bold enough to say, I don't, I have not committed my life to Jesus and I'm ready to right now. Many of us will make that commitment to Jesus, but for whatever reason, we don't follow in baptism or maybe we followed in baptism before we got saved for whatever reason and didn't follow in it after we got saved. And scripturally, baptism is 
a response to the gospel. It's a display to the world that my old life is gone and I am raised to life in Christ. And maybe you haven't been baptized since you got saved. Is that you? Do you need to be baptized? Would you raise your hand? If you've raised your hand, would you stand? I know maybe you haven't become come prepared to be baptized today. But we are prepared. We have shorts, we have shirts, we've got towels, we got a hairbrush, we even got deodorant. We've got you all covered. And if you want to follow in baptism, would you step out today? Greg Jones is going to show you where you can find the shorts and everything. He'll get you squared away. Anyone else? Well, then I assume that the rest of you are saying you've committed your life to Jesus or you just don't want to. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into and showing them how to follow Jesus? Are you a nominal Christian or are you fully devoted as a disciple? Are you producing fruit? Who do you need to reach out to right now in order to make disciples? There's probably some of you in this room who are like, I want that. But I don't know how to go about abiding in Jesus. So I'm going to give you one challenge to start. To abide means that He is over all of your life. So this week, as you go into a, maybe it's your job, maybe it's when you get home from your job, Whatever it may be where where you feel like this is the time of my life where I'm most likely to pull away from Jesus, here's your challenge this week. Before you go in, spend three or four minutes just in your scripture, on your phones, and praying and just asking the Lord, help me abide. That's it. Try to do that daily this week and see if that leads you to a next step with Him. You were called to love God, to love people, to make disciples. You cannot accomplish it if you are not fully in the vine. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given us access to everything we need to accomplish a mission that we are not even worthy to be a part of but you have called us to make disciples. And you give us all the tools that we need if we abide in Jesus. So Lord, help us to do that. To seek ways to make all our life about you and not about us. To seek ways when we are going into times or locations or periods of life where we know this is going to pull me from you. 
that we seek time to center ourselves on Jesus Christ. Rely on the Spirit to help us. Lord, I pray right now that every person in this room, no matter how long they've been a believer, that you put a face in their mind of someone they need to disciple. Lord, they may have no idea how to do it. Lord, give them the courage to reach out to me or to one of our elders, and we will walk them through a simple way to do life with someone and show them how to follow Jesus. Lord, would you continue moving? We thank you for those who've come forward for baptism this morning, who are committing their lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray.